Back into stay, trying to stay warm mode this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. gentlemen to my rather cold living room looking out on a very miserable evening in Buenos Aires the weather's awful and I still don't have heating so uh, forgive the occasional coughing that you'll be hearing in the background it's just because my throat has dried out so much um, I'm joined this week I'm Sam Kelly hello and I'm joined by Andres Bruckner hello welcome Andres how are you thank you fine well it's of course rainy and as I think 90% of the times I came here it was rainy Hmm. So it's not to lose the that uh, weather condition. No, fortunately it's not raining so much that the direct TV signal has cut out, so we are able to watch, as we record, a um, thrilling, I'm no, I've no, no doubt it will be thrilling, uh, Copa Argentina last 64 match, or 30 tooths of final for our regular listeners, between Atletico de Rafaela and one of my local clubs, one of Andres's local clubs as well, they're not very far from here, Ferrocarril Oeste. This game looks like it's being played in. Do you know? Do you know where this is uh, being no, played? No, it's not Arsenal because they. Oh, it might be Arsenal. In fact, they were playing in Sarandi yesterday, though. Another cop back. No, you know? but uh, the the goals doesn't look like the Arsenal. No, it doesn't. Does it? It's not Kiefer. We will we will check it. But uh, Tempele. Uh, ah, okay. I think yes. that was a Tempele yeah, match yeah, in the background. Yeah. Yes, it's Tempele. Yes. Um, yes. Ferro is near near home basically. Hmm. It's Cavallito, which is uh, near Almagro, where I I live. It's also here uh, and yes it's uh, one of clubs I, I used to, to watch when I was a, a kid because of course it was close and when you could you, you were able to, to watch any match you wanted and no no matter the club no matter the, 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 the club you supported at the stadium you mean yes yes yeah. uh, so I, I used to be when I was uh, younger and when you were really little kid they were very good yes yes a couple of championships in the 80s um, we are drinking mate rather than fernet, at least for the first half of this podcast, because it's cold, as I said. During the second half, I might pour myself a fernet. But anyway, let's get on with it. First of all, the Argentine Primera División results um, from the weekend just gone. This is going to be a very, very quick section. On Saturday, uh, Estudiantes beat Godoy Cruz 1-0, thanks to a fantastic hit from Juan Caballero um, in the 15th minute. And on Sunday, in the championship final... San Lorenzo versus Lanús at River Plate Stadium, um, apparently with nearly 83,000 people present, according to the AFA's um, attendance figures yesterday, which is good going, given that they only sold 62,000 tickets, and that is the capacity of the Monumental. Um, so I'm not suggesting that they were letting in too many people, I'm suggesting that the AFA can't count. Um, but yeah, with, with that, that record crowd in Argentina in the 21st century at least, um, Lanús beat San Lorenzo 4-0. I mean, we were expecting... Well, certainly you and Dan were expecting a Lanús win. I said last week that I thought San Lorenzo had a chance because Lanús had 
had dropped off a little bit, but um, by and large, a Lanou swim was the, the expectation that most people had. But I don't think anybody was expecting it to be quite that one-sided, were they? Well, we, we remember, of course, the 4 nil that San Lorenzo made against Boca for the Supercopa Argentina, was it? Yes. Uh, and Ortigosa, the San Lorenzo midfielder, <coughs> and Paraguay also, midfielder that will not play the Copa America, uh, by the way, because of uh, an injury. Mm. Uh, and, of course, lost, missed the, the final against Lanús. He had said, uh, well, it's a really strange result. I don't think there will be any other uh, result like this in a final, especially in a final, because uh, supposedly they are supposed, the, the two supposed best teams in a final, and the uh, matches are, are tight, are, are even, because it's, of course, a final. And, and uh, finals are, are, are won, aren't played. It's a common phrase that players say, a final, you have to win a final. Well, in this case, it was the same result as San Lorenzo. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've, I've forgotten he said that, in fact, you're right. That's, yeah. um, Lanús were, I was particularly impressed because, as I said last week, I thought that uh, Lanús, having run away with Group 2, won it with three matches to go. Um, and then in their last three matches, uh, recorded a win, a draw and a defeat. Um, I thought that they, having sort of dropped the intensity off and and uh, taking it easy for a couple of weeks, I, I suspected that they might have um, found it difficult to step the intensity back up again, whereas San Lorenzo, like I, uh, I said last week, I thought had the momentum behind them and were going to be more... Um, just, just have a little bit more of a, of a rhythm to their play still. And for that reason, I was particularly impressed with Lanús because it was really right from the very first minute that they just went straight out San Lorenzo um, Counter-attacking, yes, as we were expecting, but also pressing slightly higher up and trying to disrupt San Lorenzo, sort of building it out from the back, which they like to do um, as well, and almost sort of counter-attacking from midfield, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you have to be very solid. Your team has to be very solid and very very sure of, of uh, having that, that kind of pressure, pressure uh, so high because you, you press very high and, and, the, and the ball passes by and you are perhaps... Hey, uh, your defenders are are, are with this, the the this, the the opponent strikers and and, and this you of course when this happens mostly your team is is not very well stood in 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 your, in your defense in this case well Anus was sure of pressing very very high and and did uh, successfully and there is a, a, detail, a detail I think is is what makes uh, Lanus a, a real team which is. Uh, there are a lot of examples like this, but for example, Oscar Benitez, Junior Benitez, was the one who opened the, the score, who, was, who wasn't playing uh, in the starting lineup very often. Uh, in fact, I think he hasn't played very much in the, in the season. He was, if I'm right, um, I believe he was in the team because Pablo Malche, um had an injury doubt. Malche was on the bench, but... Yes. Benitez was basically put into the team yes, because they yes. weren't uh, Moche, I think sure he was, could start. It was thought Moche would be playing in the, in the team, would be jumping to, to the pitch. And finally, the one who made it was, was him, because of you of this you, you, are, you, are, you are mentioning. Uh, and he was the one who, who opened the, 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 with the header apart. It's not, his, I think, his best, uh, uh, the best part of his, of his play. Um, and this, of course, when you... It's, it is said a lot of times, and, I, and we mentioned it, or I, I said it a lot of times here, that when you... It's not because I say it, but 
when you uh, take uh, other players that aren't used to be there in the in the from the first minutes of the of the matches and put it, put it put him to play and and, and and the team plays the same the same way with this player means that the team is good, is, is well prepared this is uh, names doesn't care much but the work the way they work uh, or the team works and this is what happened with Lanús with well the The, the good part of this is that I, of course, were only two matches. I never made the preview uh, of all of the 15 matches of, of, a, of a round, but uh, all, both both results were uh, the ones I, I not I, uh, I th English done. I think the same say the same that the Antes will beat Cody Cruz and Lanús will beat San Lorenzo. Yeah, indeed. Um, The goals for Lanús came as under assist from Oscar Benitez, from Miguel Almiron, who I think we both agree was the man of the match. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Almiron's came in the second half, of course it did, and uh, later on in the second half from Jose Sand and Lautaro Acosta. Um, so Sand managed to get a goal on his return to the Monumental, albeit not against River, of course. Um, Lanús entirely worthy champions really I mean Lanús um, record for this half of the season uh, goes they've played 17 they have uh, lost two they've drawn two and they've won the other 13 um, and of course they won 14 of their uh, sorry 12 of their first 14 matches um, it would be always the doubt of what would happen would have happened if, if uh, the tournament would have turned into a normal one with uh, 19 yeah. uh, rounds uh, or, or 38 if it was a, the complete season as it turns to be from 26, 16, 17. Uh, so, uh, well, we should, we, we will never know what will have happened, but uh, the 16 rounds that were played, Lance uh, was deserving. Sometimes you say <coughs> the, the best is the one who wins. In this time, Lanús was the, the best because they won, but because they, 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 the way they played. Uh, we, I said that said it the other day that uh, if there was a, a team that deserved the championship was Lanús because they were nicely to watch and effective at the same, perhaps, point. Yeah, and um, there, are, there were many people after the final pointing out that Lanús won Group 2 with 38 points from 16 matches, uh, not counting the final, of course, itself, uh, and that there have been a fair number of teams during the short championship uh, era in Argentine football who won 19-game short championships with fewer points than 38, which gives an idea of just how dominant Lanús were in Group 2. Um, it's kind of a shame, really, that, that Lanús... Um, I mean, that the structure didn't allow for everybody against everybody else, because, as you say, I, I suspect um, that Lanús would have had a very good go at, at sort of winning a proper, in inverted commas, league championship as well. Um, and what what to say about Almiron? Uh, who we, we remember him for uh, doing a great work or a good a good job at, at Godoy Cruz. Then uh, Jorge Almiron. Jorge Almiron. Yes, the, the Miguel. There were two Almirons that doing great things. One was in the bench and the other one in the in the pitch. Hmm. But uh, the one who was the coach, Jorge, uh, had uh, not the the best experience at Independiente. There, there, there are people that say that certain players and certain coaches, coaches are made for, for, for small teams and or not for the biggest. 
teams and, and Amiron has the, the the opportunity to be the coach of Independiente with certain good games but not finishing it the way that did at Lanús and formerly at Godoy Cruz Mendoza Mendoza in this case finished in the fourth position would be because they they were there in the zone yeah. one yeah yeah fin, uh, losing against Estudiantes still as you said qualifying for Copa Libertadores until Copa Sudamericana finishes um, and well he finally uh, with time and with the players he wanted and and and, and being at ease with the times and 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 and, and, and times and also the people leaving him work uh, well the results are 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 there yeah and who knows i mean his career could go on from here he's only 44 years old so as a manager he's not um not old by any means still and it's his first i think it's his third championship overall and his first championship in in the top flight he's won a couple of lower division titles in uh, mexico and in Chile, Chile, I think yes. it was. Yeah, he won one in Me- uh, two in Mexico. Or, no, sorry, one in Mexico and a summer tournament of some sort in Mexico. It shows up on his Wikipedia page. I've no idea how important it is, um, and, and a lower division championship in Chile as well. Um, but this is his first national title. Yes. So well I, I, done him. I like uh, at least, of course, you can discuss whether you liked or not the way he prepares the teams or builds the teams. But I like when people that are not high profile. They are low profile and they they made it they make it uh, and they are successful. Uh, I like that. Then you can like you you may like or you may not like the way he he works, but uh, this kind of, of of profiles of play of, of coaches uh, are good for football to, to to be successful. And where do Lanús go from here? They they're going to be trying to build on this and have a go at defending their title over what we assume is going to be a long championship during 20, well, or at least another 30-team short championship um, with everyone playing everyone else at least once during 2015-16? Um, or are they going to save everything for the next six months and now not do very much and concentrate all on the Libertadores and hope nobody gets injured next year? Yes, it's all, all, to, all to, to see. It's all to see. Not, I think nothing is defined yet. Nothing is cited. Um, because some directors, some members of, of AFA uh, said that they wanted to to make the real changes from 2017. So there is there will be six months, uh, the, the second six semester of 2016, in which we will have to see what happens in terms of the shape of the format of the of the tournament. Uh, what mm. And where does it leave San Lorenzo? Because Pardon me, I've just taken a bite of a biscuit. I should have timed this better. Where does it leave San Lorenzo? Because Pablo Guede is staying in the job, as far as I'm aware. I've not heard about him leaving or being under pressure to leave or anything like that. Um, and he's going to be now have the chance to sort of press on, build over the winter and, and, and look to get his team up and running again. They're not in the, the Sudamericana, are they? I don't remember right now. I don't think they are. Um... Actually, let's bring up that to just double-check, but I'm pretty sure they're not. In which case, he's got domestic football to concentrate on entirely um, in the next half of the year. Yeah. Yes, as, as most of the teams, that uh, I think they will concentrate their efforts on, on the Copa Argentina, for example, which uh, we, we said here uh, that it gives another place for, for the Copa Libertadores. Ah, they are. Sorry, San Lorenzo yeah. are, of course, because they won the ah. Super Copa Argentina, as you said. Yes, yes. So, yeah, they are in the Sudamericana. Carry on. 
Um, so well, in this case, uh, uh, anyway, any any team will have two months because there is still the Copa America Centenario to be played to to be have the preseason to to have some rest to be the players who are going to be in the in the in the team in the, in the staff and who are who will the ones who lives but with long time to to work and to prepare uh, uh, so uh, we will we will see what happens with him with Gede who started not the very best well uh, apart from winning the, the Copa the Super Copa Argentina um being eliminating the Copa Libertadores in the in the first round in the group stages and the, and that, by that point there there were some doubts but finally uh, he fi uh, he ended with a with a good uh, uh, second second position in the, in the tournament uh, being being in the Copa Sudamericana this year and the, of course the Copa Libertadores next one hmm. so as as I have read in the Ole piece of news I think the Saldo is positive. There is positive result for for, for his yeah. position. Indeed. Um, the other two teams, Estudiantes and Godoy Cruz, who played over the weekend, as we mentioned last week, Godoy Cruz were missing their two first choice strikers, Santiago Garcia and Jaime Ayobi, um, both of whom were suspended and in Ayobi's case uh, called up for Ecuador. For which reason, I discovered um, on Thursday, uh, Godoy Cruz were appealing for an Article 225 exemption to Santiago Garcia's um, suspension. Article 225 for newcomers is an AFRA regulation which allows um, clubs to have a suspension postponed if the same club has had a player either called up for international duty, as is the case um, here, or injured whilst on international duty. Um, so that would have allowed... It, it struck me as a bit ambitious that they were going for it when the guy called up for international duty was also suspended, but it, the AFA have uh, allowed stranger exemptions from that um, via this rule, so it was uh, perhaps worth a try, but they, they didn't succeed. And they gave, a, I thought, a better account of themselves than I was expecting, given that they were so handicapped by that. But ultimately, obviously... Um, missing their their two main main attackers and you know arguably two of the most dangerous strikers in the whole league um, over the last six months because they've and both not, been in fantastic form and together. For non non football reasons, uh, both yeah. for for not having good behaviour with gestures and, and yes, exactly. Yeah, both sent off very late on in in the the classic defeat to San Martin in the last round of group matches, uh, which which saw them condemned to second place in Group One rather than fighting for the title themselves against Lanús. Um, and both basically set off for losing their heads, which yes. which is a real shame. About Jaime Jovi, uh, he has been called up for for the Equator Equator, Equator uh, staff for for Copa America. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether he will continue or not at Godoy Cruz. The one who apparently won't is Fernando Suki, one of the their best men midfielders, who yeah. has been uh, silently uh, upgraded or, or or being better every. Every match, and now apparently he will play for Boca. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we may as well move on to the transfer news because there's not yes. a hell of a lot to say really about Estudiantes and Godoy Cruz's situation. I will actually just before we move on to Suki, I'll, I'll say one thing in case anybody missed last week's episode, or in case you were so confused by last week's episode that you thought uh, Ferro, by the way, have just gone one nil up against Atletico de Rafaela with about two minutes left of the first half. Um, 
in case you were so confused by last week's episode that you thought, I'll forget about this for now and let Sam tell me what the situation is when it finishes. Uh, the situation now, then, is that both of the teams who, who disputed the championship final on Sunday, Lanús and San Lorenzo, both into the Copa Libertadores group stages next year. Estudiantes, having won the third-place playoff, are also straight into the Copa Libertadores group stage. And Godoy Cruz will be in the Copa Libertadores group stage as long as uh, Banfield... Belgrano or Independiente don't end up winning the Copa Sudamericana. That's basically all you need to know about the situation. Um, if one of those three teams I just listed wins the Sudamericana, they will go into the groups uh, into the Copa Libertadores ahead of Godoy Cruz. And if one of those three teams doesn't win the Copa Sudamericana, because all of the other Argentine sides have already qualified for the Libertadores um, via other means, all the other Argentine sides who are in this year's Sudamericana. Um, so if, if, if one of Independiente, Belgrano and Banfield don't end up winning the Sudamericana, Godoy Cruz are straight into the group stages. And Argentina 5 will be the winners of the Copa Argentina, which of course we will know in there will November be no, or December. No playoff to play about an, uh, no, uh, Argentina? Uh, the, the winners of the Copa Argentina go into the playoff round for the, of the Libertadores, uh, which is the... Well, the, the stage before the group stage, obviously people know what the playoff round is. I don't know why. Pause to explain that one. Um, so the winners of the Copa Argentina go into the playoff round. But if one of those three Argentine teams that I mentioned, Belgrano, Independiente or Banfield, end up winning the Sudamericana, that team will go into the playoff round and the Copa Argentina winners will be bumped up to Argentina 4, which is the, the place that's currently um, occupied by Godoy Cruz. So basically, if you're a Godoy Cruz fan at the moment, you just have to hope that none of those three teams win the Sudamericana. I don't, I don't see likely, it likely like that Belgrano, Banfield or Independiente. Independiente could be the winner of the Copa Sudamericana. We will see how Gabriel Milito uh, uh, starts his... But the Sudamericana... But Belgrano has uh, announced a new a new coach replacing Zielinski, who has been for five years or so. Belgrano has changed managers? Yes. God, I've been out of the loop. Zielinski, uh, I think after they ended their last, their last match that they lost, uh, I don't remember the result, Zielinski mm-hmm. uh, announced he, he will terminate his... I didn't know if the contract terminated and they didn't renew it. Uh, but uh, the case is that he is not more, no more the the coach of Belgrano and the the new manager or the new coach is Tete González, Esteban González, a former player ah, of Belgrano. Look at that. They uh, they in fact beat Rosario Central one nil oh. at home in the last match, but uh, that was their first win in five matches. So uh, you can be let off for thinking that they've lost the last one. Um, it has to be said that those three clubs, though, Independiente, Banfield, Belgrano, appear to me to be the three least likely um, of the Argentine competitors to win the Sudamericana, because the other three are San Lorenzo, Estudiantes and Lanús, who, I mean, by definition, we've just seen yes. um, in the championship just gone. Obviously, this the championship just gone isn't how any of those three teams qualified. They all qualified uh, based on their performances in 2015. Um, but, uh, I mean, they've just demonstrated that, that they're by far the, the three stronger teams of, of the um, of the Argentine side in the Sudamericana. So we might very well see a winner from Argentina of the Sudamericana this year because there are three strong teams in it. But if any of those three win it, uh, Godoy Cruz will remain in the group stage of the Copa Libertadores next year. Um, and now, yeah, let's move on to the transfer stuff because, as you say, Fernando Suki um, is a signature away. I don't think he's signed yet, has he? Or has, has it been confirmed? It's basically it's a done uh, deal. It's apparently, a, it's a, it's a almost confirmed. Not, yeah. 
because today it's, it's was going said, to happen, but it's not yeah. signed just today. Yet. Was said that Boca wanted him to sign a contract by objectives, by goals, mm-hmm. uh, and he wanted a fixed sum of money. That was a difference that made the, the transfer to be in danger. But finally, today I heard or I read that it was made not 100% confirmed, but it was almost almost there. Yeah. Um, and there it is, in fact. Suki Moiserka. Suki is very close. Um, they're also, Boca Juniors, about to sign, or possibly already have signed, Walter Bull. Yes, he was gymnasia. already training in the training sessions uh, after, I think it was, this is before the, 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 the vacations, holidays. I, I mm. thought they were already on holiday, but I, 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 I watched him train with the other Boca players. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Bull has to step up and show that he can do what he's been doing for the last sort of six months with Gimnasia on a on a bigger stage. Um, because up until now, I, I think his career, by and large, has, has not been too impressive. But Suki, I think, is a really good signing, given um, what was available to Boca. Uh, let's not forget the reason that we're talking about Boca's transfers at this very early stage. Yes. Is of course that they're allowed to make changes to their Copa Libertadores squad ahead of their semi-final, which will be after the Copa America Centenario. Yes. But they want to get those changes involved in the team as cl- as soon as possible. Yes, and before, of course, before uh, any any training sessions and, and and any other stuff, it looks like, for example, uh, Jara, Franco Jara, no Franco, no, uh, I I forgot the name of Jara, the the one who's uh, Leonardo. Leonardo Jara, yes, Leonardo Jara will will play in the. Uh, as a right back, because I also heard that Gino uh, Peruzzi was being looked by by Napoli. In this, in the case, Gino Peruzzi leaves. Hara, Leonardo Hara will uh, fit for the <coughs> for be the right back and Suki to replace Hara in the midfield. Perhaps could be mm. a good option there for Boca. Yeah, and I, and I think that Suki offers something that uh, I mean he, he offers a bit of invention on the ball and, and good control and basically exactly what Boca have been missing in midfield because Boca have, have, have done very well to get as far as they have in the Libertadores. Um, they've picked up enormously under Guillermo Barrasekilotto and they've started to, to sort of meld into a team who can get results. But they still look like they don't really have a midfield a lot of the time. And I think that Suki is, is the first um, component in, in, in that kind of upgrade of, of midfield, as you put it. Um, I think that we can probably expect them to see them go for at least one more midfielder. I think they're allowed to make five changes to the squad, aren't they, the, for the Libertadores semi-finals. Um, and yeah, I, I think that he's going to prove to be a very good purchase for them over time because uh, I've, I've been really impressed with him for well, I mean, really for about the last sort of eighteen months now. And Godoy Cristal, he's done a, a very yes. good job. Um, other transfer news in Argentina? There's not really an awful lot, is there? No, no, still not very. There was a movement. bit of a heart in mouth situation for River Plate fans yesterday when Juan Cortés of Teixe Sports, who's a very um, knows his stuff a lot and, and his job is covering River on a daily basis for uh, for the, the country's biggest uh, sports cable channel um, reported that Flamengo of Brazil had uh, made a multi-multi-million something or other offer to River Plate um, and to Marcelo Gachardo to try and get him in as their manager Cortese says that he, he suspects that Gachardo is going to turn this down, but that the offer is so enormous that uh, the temptation might be there to to take it. So watch this space. It might not be um, the biggest shock in the world if, if Riva end up 
changing coaches in in the next um, short while. But apart from that, it, it's going to be a fairly sort of quiet on the transfer front for the next well three weeks at least while the Copa America centenario is on. You would think. Yes, you are not in the head of Ashard, of course. He has contract signed for uh, uh, with River until the end of the uh, presence of Donofrio, which is uh, the end of 2017. So it's one year and a half more to come but perhaps he's thinking well what happens if I lose the first four or five matches in the tournament that is going to start in August uh, and I am not conv convinced and I'm not sure of continuing what happens hmm. I will be no uh, unemployed and here I have a very very good economical offer for the big club it's not only the the economical offer but Flamengo which is biggest teams in Brazil yeah um, because Mauricio Ramalo the one who was in charge has to had to uh, step off as he was ill I think for for reason health reasons and uh, I think that's something he w may at least think I don't say that he will accept that offer and River will have to look for another coach but uh, this may this thinking may may come to the head of Gallardo yeah um, and I'm just wondering while you were talking I was, I was just th there seems to be an increasing trend and it's it's one that uh, has been brought up again in a lot of the uh, English language particularly British sports press recently um, about how the idea of, of a manager like Cielinski, I guess, in Argentine terms, or uh, Alex Ferguson in, in being the most obvious example for, for the Anglophone world, um, of a manager who can stay at a club for years and years and years and years and have success. It's kind of an old-fashioned one, and how increasingly now we're going to be seeing managers as relatively short-term appointments. Um, and I don't know whether that's, uh, you know, I don't know how much truth there is to that. It's an interesting idea. It, it's, it's there to be um, debated. But I just, I, I wonder whether... Um, if, say, three years is seen as the natural life cycle of a manager at a big club in Europe um, at present, whether the nature of the Argentine game with short championships, with all of the clubs being in such a state of constant financial turmoil, that there's a massive churning over of, of players, a constant um, uh, changing to the first-team squad, and whether that means that in Argentina the natural cycle of a, of a manager's life at a club might be considerably shorter than three years. I mean, Gachardo had um, a year, really, of, of phenomenal success winning winning the Sudamericana, winning the Libertadores, and then, you know, an, an understandable, in the context, dip, um, which we're used to seeing uh, in, in preparation for the, the Club World Cup. And really, he's now sort of set himself a challenge by staying out River and by, by trying to get them back out of this this rut that they find them in that, themselves in now. Um, and I, I wonder whether whether he can be realistically expected to do that. Um, it, it's something that uh, yes, it's really something I'm throwing out there. The yeah. um, problem is that he won a lot of things in the first year and nothing in the second one. With a it, it's a, a very very deep uh, change in the, in the in the performance in the in the in the level of play, which was. Poor, very poor, uh, and people, of course, reminds this. And if we, if it had been the other way, for example, 
to have a decent first half or first year or not a very good year, but the second one to be a, a spectacular with winning four titles like a, like he did in 2014 and 15. Uh, <laughs> the the eye the eye of the supporters and the people in general will be different because now it's it is said well Gallardo will have to do perhaps a, a, a very hard work to make River work the 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 same way they did uh, in the first part of his uh, when he was uh, the coach when he started being at River uh, with with when Sanchez Rojas Carnaviter Funes Mori Piculicha they're at their best level Teo Gutierrez uh, that they're uh, most of them aren't there anymore um, and yes it's a, it's a question that uh, it's really really difficult to, to answer uh, and with offers like Flamengo if, if it's true and I don't know the, the figures the sum of money offered but it is, if it is really really big well it's something that that will have to 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 check very very with his perhaps his, his environment with his wife his children because uh, at the same time that you say I want to stay at River because I, I said I would at the same time, you don't never know where an opportunity like this comes again. Uh, that's the problem for a for a coach or for a player that uh, has a. There is a team that comes and say, "Okay, you, here you have I know five million dollars for two years, and you are you are sure you are safe for half for the rest of your life because." Uh, yeah. Uh, and well, it's really really hard and he will have to analyze it of course very carefully hmm. indeed um, we have of course an international tournament coming up kicking off on Friday evening and uh, we haven't forgotten about that don't worry we're going to take a short break now when we get back we will be previewing Argentina's chances in the Copa America Centenario and we will also be explaining uh, why depending on um, which newspapers or magazines or online sources you read uh, on Monday and Tuesday, you might almost have feared that they weren't going to be taking part in it. switched to Fernet. I almost had a bit of a disaster because I almost grabbed the wrong bottle out of the fridge and gave myself a Fernet and Powerade, which would have been a truly disgusting combination, I suspect. Um, but we are now ready to preview Argentina's chances of the Copa America Centenario. First of all, as I said, we'd like to explain um, exactly what the bloody hell has been going on um, in the Amonte, which is the street on which the AFA headquarters are in central Buenos Aires. Um, on Monday, lots of uh, threats started coming out from the AFA, from various directors saying that they were going to um, vote to withdraw the national team from the Copa America Centenario, which is being, uh, which is taking place in the United States of America, as we know. Um, what were those threats about? Why were they made? Why didn't they end up getting voted through? Um, and so on, that's what we're going to talk about now. I think as sort of 
briskly as possible, although there's a little bit of background needed. Those of you who are aware of uh, international sort of footballing politics and whatnot will probably be aware that FIFA has a uh, regulation stating that no football association should be allowed to um, have uh, to, to be subject to government intervention. The government uh, has to allow its football association to, to be entirely independent. Um, this is something I, I think, first of all, that, that's always a little bit ridiculous and a bit of a joke because football gets politicised absolutely everywhere. Our, our listeners in the US, I suppose, might be um, slightly less familiar with, with, with this uh, phenomenon, but pretty much outside there. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the World Cup host bids always get tremendously highly politicised, as I could say, because I lived um, in the UK whilst England tried to, to get a couple of them at least one anyway, um, and so on. We always get this kind of stuff, and, and obviously when a national team does well, the politics are, are straight in there. Is there. And as we've often seen... The, the one that thinks that, for example, when FIFA has to choose the, the next uh, organizer of, the, of, of a World Cup, that has nothing to do with politics. Precisely. It has to do with politics. Precisely. Um, and also we've seen, you know, in the last seven years, uh, uh, via Football Paradoros, how much football can be politicised. Now, that might not be the government actively putting in its hands into into the AFA's trousers and having a good rummage around, let's say. But but it's certainly there's some form of foreplay going on there, let's say. Um, and and the, the argument that I always, or the example that, that I always end up bringing up at some point when I'm talking to somebody who really believes in FIFA for any reason and, and, and genuinely thinks that, uh, that, every fo- that, that, that FIFA clamped down really hard on, on, on this kind of thing is that North Korea are allowed to play in the World Cup. And I'm sorry, but there's no way that the North Korean Football Association is completely independent from its government because it's North Korea. Um, how, how's that happening exactly? But anyway, um, they have this regulation and it's true that they do take it seriously to a degree. North Korea might be allowed to take part for reasons I'm not really sure about. Um, I suspect because FIFA like being able to tell everybody they have more members than the United Nations. But uh, Peru, a few years ago, very nearly got um, temporarily suspended from FIFA. Spain shortly before Euro 2008, almost got suspended from FIFA for similar reasons. So, And obviously that Spain ended up going on to win that. So, and um, Guatemala, I think, right now is, is being intervened by, mm, by FIFA. Yeah, yeah, of course. They were... Um, yeah, I, I, I'd forgotten about them. Thank you, yeah. Um, the example of Spain obviously shows that major footballing nations can come under the threat of this as well. And that's a fact that the certain directors at AFA a lot of the directors at AFA have tried to use recently to scare the government away from what the government are trying to do, which basically is an audit. Um, the judge who works for the Justice Department, who's called uh, Maria Servini de Cubria, if I remember rightly, um, who has been auditing the AFA for, I think, about the last year or so, her, um, her auditors found a couple of things, and among those couple of things were that uh, a lot of the money from Football Paratodos over the last few years hasn't ended up going to where it should have gone to. It's not been paid out to the clubs for their share of TV rights. You may remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the enormous amounts of debt that all of Argentine football clubs were in with, with the AFA. Suspect, I suspect that these two uh, facts are not entirely unrelated. Um, and so they, they, they've asked to uh, suspend the AFA's elections, which were scheduled for the 30th of June, and to 
send in a couple of auditors. Um, yes, because the, the, the audit will uh, demand more than one month, which is the time uh, uh, that uh, rest is the time to go for the for the elections. Yeah. So of course, there is no time enough to to, and, to organize them. And so the uh, the elections have been suspended for 90 days again. Remember, these are the elections that were supposed to have taken place in December and then they finished 38-38 with only 75 people voting. So they got postponed and postponed and postponed. Um, so that's that's happened. In the meantime, all of this Super Liga talk has, has come up. But let's try and, and keep down the path here. Um, so what happened then was that Hugo Moshano, um, who is the... Main uh, General Workers Union General Secretary, um, and is also the president of Independiente, and is one of the candidates for the AFA presidency. Um, declared that, that that this was, or decided that this was a plot against him. Um, we're getting political now. Which is which is clear that uh, Macri won, wanted Tinelli to be as a, the president of AFA, uh, and not Moshano because of political, of course, affairs. And exactly. uh, just, Tinelli has just said he won't be the can, a candidate for, for the elections. Yeah. It's a breaking news, not breaking, because the ones who will be listening to the podcast, uh, that news will be tomorrow, and, and, and this happened happen today. But um, he has uh, withdrawn his candidacy for for the elections. So now there apparently are four candidates, which are Moshano has the strongest candidate, in, in, in even although uh, Macri uh, didn't uh, with not being uh, the, the the one who wants for for the, for the for for as a president, then Armando Perez, the president of Belgrano, Claudio Chiqui Tapia, the Barraca Central president, and Nicolas Russo, the the president of Lanús. Uh, so it's obvious that Moyano is the one who appears as the strongest. The strongest uh, candidate, and uh, uh, well, the one who Moshano, uh, who Macri didn't want. So, uh. mm. um, yes, exactly. So, uh, Moshano is is not a popular man at the moment with the president of Argentina. He was using this uh, this whole intervention thing and saying, "Oh, we'll get kicked out of FIFA," and that was where the talk about the AFA perhaps volunteering to bring the national team home, saying, "Right, the national team have got to come back." Uh, they're basically trying to play hardball with the government. It wasn't going to happen, um, but it was entertaining for about 36 hours while, while everybody was panicking about the possibility. Um, and, yeah, so we're now at this stage where, as Andres says, just uh, a, an hour or two before we recorded, uh, Marcelo Tinelli announced that he wasn't going to be standing for the AFA presidency, which leaves us with the four names that Andres has mentioned. Um Alejandro Casar, who is one of the editors of the sports section of La Nación, has just tweeted that he's been talking to people at the AFA, and they have told him that if everything calms down, um, then their candidate is going to be Chiqui Tapia, um, who is the president of... Barracas Central. Barracas Central, of course, thank you. It's not precisely what he said, a big, a big team. No, uh, but he is one of the... Uh, the Moshano guys. The, the five people who got their applications in on time on Tuesday because Tuesday was the deadline in spite of the elections being put back Tuesday remained the deadline for um, candidacies to be announced uh, if the atmosphere gets worse or remains as sort of up in the air as it is then we'll go for Moshano that's what they've told them apparently so they're basically trying to uh, 
either try to pick a fight or, yes, or it's, it's if big things one are going to remain confrontational, yes. then they want a confrontational president. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a change from the Julio Grondona era of always being friendly with whoever happened to be in the government, whether that was fascist sympathising dictators or um, I, I think that very left-wing Grondona <laughs> death for, for uh, one hand it was good because uh, now we know a lot of things uh, and yet in the other hand it was uh, very bad because uh, there is no no there is a single member who can uh, decide on, or who can uh, take things seriously and to do something uh, Yes, in in a, in a good way. Mm. Uh, so, is uh, some is our, our sensations I have in terms of good or bad for 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 Afa to Corona to be dead. Yeah, uh, Luis Segura has confirmed that he's not going to be running. He obviously did that a couple of months ago. He also confirmed uh, very recently, just before we started recording, in fact, um, that uh, the Afa are going to accept a a FIFA auditor. It's worth remembering, with all of the talk that was going on on Monday about, oh, you're going to get us kicked out of FIFA, blah, 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 and the accusations being flown out the government, um, that uh, whether you love him or hate him, um, and it would appear now that the majority of the country are very much in the latter camp, Argentine President Mauricio Macri um, is a football man. I mean, he, he knows what, what's going on. This is a man who built his power base up in part through presiding over Boca Juniors, during their most successful years in the early years of this century. So he's not stupid. He knows how FIFA work. He knows how the governing body works because he's been part of that world. Um, and he obviously was very eager to, um, to... He's very eager to have the AFA audited. He's also very eager to ensure that the AFA gets audited in a way that FIFA don't have any problems with. And, and a, a man whose surname is Brodsky, who's one of the auditors, said that they were doing things aligned with FIFA regulations... Exactly, because yeah. FIFA do have a system for this kind of thing because they're aware that uh, you can have government intervention but, and, and, and in FIFA's eyes that's yeah. bad, but from time to time you do actually need an outside audit to come in and in that case the government can talk to FIFA and they can set up a joint sort of task force and that's what's going to happen. Um, so don't panic if you're one of our Argentine listeners. Well, um, we have to be panic. alert because uh, things at AFA are, <laughs> are, are even worse than they, they used to be when we talked about the problems with money and the teams that owe, owe a lot of money to AFA, just independent of being the one who most money owes. And Moshano uh, saying that they want to... to uh, It's like a complot against him or something like that. And, and, and he, the club, he, who, whom he's the president, owes a lot of money. Yeah. It's, it's, there are a lot of ridiculous things and, and, and AFA isn't all right, even when the, the, the national team is going to play... Copa America because uh, some members of the uh, Comité Ejecutivo, who is called the group of members that, that the executive committee meet meet every every Tuesday, uh, said that they they would ask a <coughs> national team to come back and not play the, mm. the the Copa America. Yeah, so that's why that threat was made. We hope that this has been a, an enlightening few minutes. And now, now that Argentina are definitely going to be taking part, um, how do you see their chances, Andres, in in, in the competition? Um, well, uh, the chances for Argentina are always big because the Argentina and, and uh, team, I think, is is well, uh, is well even when Messi had painful. Uh, I think he, it was his uh, costillas, his uh, ribs, um, and 
it is not uh, sure he will be able to play against Chile the the the, the match of the debut on Monday mm. uh, and the one who would replace him would be Nicolas Gaitan I I want him I want uh, to Gaitan really yes okay I I heard that I I don't know whether no I was watching some a TV thing earlier where they were asking whether Lamela could do it or whether it's going to be somebody else I, I I want these players to 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 play from the first minute I mean Gaitan Lamela uh, players that aren't uh, been that haven't been playing uh, uh, more than a pair of minutes in the in in uh, first team in, in national in national team, uh, but I, I as always I I, I think Argentina will always be candidate. Uh, they are they get got two finals in the <coughs> last two international competitions like the World Cup and the, and the Copa America. So I, I I trust they will make a good. Uh, a good tournament, of course. Can't say right now whether they will reach the finals or win it. But uh, of course, to 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 ac- to access to the round of sixteen because mm. uh, Chile has lost their. Well, they're, they're in the round of sixteen. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, they're in the quarterfinals in that case. Um, uh, because Chile, well, they lost their their last two. Uh, friendlies against Jamaica, which is mm. of course strange, and Mexico. I think it was last night, so they don't uh, arrive with the best, the best results. And then Bolivia and Panama, which are we know that they are weak. Chile, all the same, are of course the holders of the um, yes. the actual Copa America, um, the I, real Copa America. Exactly, I, I make the distinction because what we're about to see kick off in the United States is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, but it's a competition, a one-off competition to celebrate 100 years of the Copa America. It's not in itself a Copa America. That's why they appended the word centenario to the title of the event. Um, but Chile are the holders, are the, are the champions of South America right now. And so we, we've got a sort of replay of, of last year's Copa America final in the very first match. And that really is, is going to decide, you would think, first place in Group D, right? Because you'd have to assume that now that the competitive matches are, are starting up for Chile, that they're going to improve, that they're going to step the intensity up um, and, and are going to be to be better there. And you'd therefore, I, I think it's probably safe to say that Argentina and Chile are going to be both expected to take six points from Panama and Bolivia. Yes, yes I heard Bolivia, coach of Bolivia, who is non, not here because he played for News. Like Julio Cesar Valdivieso, saying that uh, he can't—he's not a magician. He was sincere, honest, and that uh, with a, in a couple of days he can do a lot of things. And uh, he automatically says that. Well, uh, I wonder whether they could have um, sort of made it a little bit more interesting by by maybe giving the the, the smaller countries more. How can I put this? Sort of friendlier uh, places to play in. Like, if they'd said, right, Bolivia get to play against Argentina and Chile, both in, I don't know, Denver, which is a very, very high-altitude city. I mean, it's, okay, it's not La Paz, um, but it's, it's the nearest thing, probably, that you'll, that you'll get in, in the continental United States. Um, you know, whether that could have, have had an effect. And it would just make those two matches a little bit more of a wild card, whereas, obviously, playing them in... Uh, I can't remember exactly where they're playing, in fact. Um, Santa Clara is the city, I think. Uh, they play Argentina play Chile in Santa Clara. Yes. yes, and then but playing against Bolivia, they go to Chile play Bolivia in uh, Foxborough, which is in Massachusetts. So I'm guessing it's not that high above sea level. Um, and then Argentina play Bolivia in 
uh, Seattle, which I have flown over, and is right at sea level. So unless CenturyLink Field is built on the top of a very big metal pole or something, um, I'm guessing that's not particularly high altitude either. And, you know, just to even things up a bit, I think that could have been fun. But obviously it's not how um, how major tournaments work, so Bolivia are going to have to play at sea level and therefore probably aren't going to do very well. How do you see the the potential? And given that, that first game, before both teams are properly warm, warmed up, before Argentina have got Lionel Messi um, in the squad, uh, it, it's going to be quite a bit of tension riding on that first match, really. Do, who do you think are going to be the winners of... of well, the first match and therefore really probably the winners of Group D. I think Argentina-Chile will be a tight match and I think we'll end in a draw. Taking into account what you have said, that uh, mostly Panama and Bolivia both <coughs> will have their, their, their match, their matches won and we will, I think it will be determined by the goal difference whether they won or Chile or Argentina ends first in the, in the group, in, in that group, in Group D. Um, and apart from Messi, I now remember that Lucas Bigley is also out for the at least for the group stage. Of course he is. Yeah, they kept him in the squad. Yes, uh, and but there was something. Of course, if if it's Argentina, there is something not tidy, of course. And there there were about to say Guido Pizarro to travel to the United States because Biglia was almost out of the of the entire Copa America, and finally they will stay with him. They will wait for Biglia for round of. Uh, for quarterfinals and made Pizarro to stay not to travel mm. well to stay at Mexico because he's playing for Tigres which is I think not a very very long travel from Monterrey to the place where Argentina. well it's not very far to California certainly Monterrey is um, right up in the north of Mexico yes. so it's it's uh, not too far from the states at all well, uh, that was not good for, for Pizarro because he perhaps yeah. was with hope of, of at least taking part of the of the of the stuff of the national team and finally they they will stay and and wait for for Biglia the matches he could play. Um, that is an, another uh, sensitive uh, loss because he was a fix. Uh, he fixed there in the first team. And mm. Apparently, will be uh, for the first team. I know if for the first match it will be Banega, perhaps uh, Macherano, and I don't know whether could be. Uh, Lamela, not, not, I don't know if in the center of the midfield, but yeah, there's still obviously the Friday and then the whole weekend to come. So we'll we'll find yes. out on Monday night. I think it is, isn't it? The first game um, they play Monday at the 11 p.m. here. 11 p.m. Argentine time, yes. yeah, uh, which is uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time in the states. So I expect our American listeners are already fully aware of when Argentina are playing. In fact. Um, and uh, for our British listeners who might be wondering about the time difference that therefore is 3am Tuesday uh, if you're you're in Britain or obviously an hour ahead of that if you're in Central Europe so maybe call in sick on Tuesday to work if you really want to stay up and watch Argentina uh, or Chile in this so yeah I mean as as, as you've already said Andres I think Argentina are going to have to be Competitors for this, I have a sneaking feeling that they might be winning this one. In fact, because I think it would be entirely typical of Argentina's luck in big tournaments if the one that they finally managed to win to end the trophy drought is the one that isn't actually a Copa America. <laughs> and, and apart from that, I, I saw a photograph of William time, uh, arriving to the uh, staff of Brazil with uh, several kilos 
over. And mm. Brazil seems to be having a few fitness issues as well. Yes. I'm not sure that whether Brazil should be counted as, as competitors for this championship or not, given how they've no, done but in the last uh, two along with, Copa Americas. Along with Neymar, if there was some a, a, a player who could give some hope was William. Yeah, and he's arriving fat. And Neymar isn't involved, of course, because he's going to the Olympics. And yeah, it, it's going to be a, a strange championship in many ways, but it's it's going to be fun, I think. Yes. Um, I am looking forward to USA Colombia on Friday. That should be an interesting match. And as as somebody who's seen less of, of particularly the Colombia yes. than, than I'd have liked to, really, and only catches them catches the United States during the World Cup. And that's the first match of the tournament. Always uh, generates some some expectations. Mm. So. Um, if you're going to the matches, of course, then uh, have fun and do let us know. We're not going to be recording any Hander Pods during the Copa America. Uh, we will probably be back for a, a review of it um, after it finishes, uh, particularly, of course, if Argentina gets the That would the be final. the last, perhaps, week of June or the first one of July? The, I think the final's the 26th of June. Exactly, yes. yes, final's 26th of June, which is uh, three weeks on three weeks this coming Sunday. Um, so yeah, the, the final weekend of June. Um, we'll be back after that to uh, to, to review it, um, but we won't be recording during the tournament because I quite fancy giving myself some time off producing for a few weeks. It's going to be very nice. If, however, you do want me, um, particularly in your ear holes, if you do want to hear my my dulcet tones during the um, the the Copa America Centenario, you'll be able to. Uh, because I am going to be guesting regularly, I think twice a week during the first um, couple of weeks anyway of the tournament, um, for something called the Eurocopa podcast, which is run by the folk at World Soccer Talk. Um, that's World Soccer Talk, not World Soccer, different things, um, which you'll be able to get hold of, well, if you go to the World Soccer Talk website, which is worldsoccertalk.com, I think, um, then you'll be able to, to see that there. That's a daily podcast, and I'm going to be on, as I say, a couple of times a week, um, initially and that should be good fun so check that out that if will you be read... the Copa America for the Europe, inside the Eurocopa Euro exactly of... yeah they're, they're, it's going to be a daily pod that starts uh, I think it started I think they're recording the first episode tonight in fact on Thursday um, as, a, as a preview um, and it's going to be running every day throughout the Copa America and also every day for the duration of the Euros um, so if they like me, then I might also hang around once the cop out. Will be live commentary? As you are like it a won't debut? be live commentary. No, it'll be a review oh. of the day's events. Uh, we'll be recording. Oh, okay. We'll be recording after the final match of every day, which means that it, on some nights um, I'm going to be recording at uh, one or two o'clock in the morning, right. possibly having had a fernet or two whilst right. watching the game. So uh, may or may not be more be uh, more or less right. sober than, than some of my podcast colleagues. I've not prepared them for that yet, but we'll see. Um, but yes, please tune into that one. And also, if you read Chinese, you can catch me um, as part of the the new team for uh, GameWise, um, the Juan Huber um, website, which is the the biggest sports portal in China, where I'm going to be writing uh, previews of the Argentine national um, Argentine national team games and a lot of other games during the the Copa America Centenario. And also from next season, I'll be previewing the Primera División. As of yet, however, their English language site hasn't been launched. So as I say, you'll okay. need to be able well, to read Congratulations. If Thank you me. are interested in my dulce tones, but <laughs> you will have to wait for the first uh, episode of, of Hand of Pod uh, after the Copa America Centenario. So. After Argentina's yes. glorious victory yes. in the Copa America Centenario. Um, so yes, those are, are, are things to, to look out for. Um, and now we shall move on to... 
listeners' questions. We have had a fair few this evening, and they obviously there's quite a range of things that people are asking about. The first of these is from uh, Liam Delaney, who asks, have there been any Jamie Vardy-style successes this season, i.e. players who were bought for peanuts um, and are now worth a fortune? And as I read that one out, uh, Ferro have gone 2-0 up from the spot against Atletico de Rafaela. We're 25 minutes to go, so it looks like we have a giant killing on our hands um, by Copa Argentina standards here. Um, in, uh, where did we say it was? Tempoli. Um Jamie Vardy-style successes this season. The most obvious, I suppose, and, and we sort of picked him out when we before we started recording, um, would be Jose Sand. Not, yes, not so much because he wasn't heard of, but more because he was rubbish everywhere else, and then went to Lanús, and um, and he's older as well. I mean, he's not necessarily worth the fortune. Yes, when he was uh, playing for the CV, no one, like we say here in Spanish, gave dos pesos por él. No one gave two pesos. Uh, and now he, he's the... The goal scorer of the champion. So mm. congratulations for uh, Jose Jamie Bardi Sand. Yeah, and the others, I mean, Ramon Avila, maybe. Yes, at the end he he like was like his fire was like not so hit. Yeah, not so hot. Sorry, uh, but yeah, it could be the revelation of yeah. the season. And you know they're talking about what eight million dollars for him to Boca and stuff. And I can't remember where Oracan got him from. Um, let's look him up now. Tacheres? Could be. But certainly, and, and I think his his run of good form has probably been similar time-wise to Vardy's as well, because that started, yeah, year and a half, two years ago or so, that, it, that he's been really The last six, um, six months the, was the, the, the hottest uh, uh, goals for him, from him the, the number of goals. and. Avila played in the second tier for three years for Instituto, then for one season in the second division for Sarmiento de Junín, who of course are now back up, up in the Primera themselves, yes. um, and then for a season in the third division for Deportivo Morón, and then he went back to Instituto in the second division for 2013-14, and then Huracán in the second division, 20, I would say that this is the closest thing that we're going to get in modern day Argentine football to Jamie Vardy's um, career progression. Yes, uh, we do not know whether he's a horrible racist or not, but apart from that, well, I say Tacheres, it was Instituto, Cordoba, but the other team. Yeah. Uh, yes, in terms of the of the way of they, they made their career, yes, could be Bardi compared with with uh, with Avila. Well, but Bardi was the part of the champion, and Avila did wasn't. So that's why we said Sun because it was the, mm. the 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 goal scorer of the champion. We would say. But still, Oracan have had a fine run. Um, and so I'm going to vote for him if we leave out the fact that, as Andres says, he's not won the league. Um, Liam also asks, also are there any Christian Benteques who were bought for lots of money and proved a complete flop? I can think of Daniel Osvaldo, perhaps, who admittedly Boca didn't pay an awful lot of money for, but it was still a big signing by Argentine standards yes. and it didn't go very well for them. Yes, that's, I think, the, 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 just the... The one who expected was expected to do a lot of things and finally, well, uh, left. It's it's a bit of a, a difficult um, parallel to draw exactly, of course, because Argentine teams don't have a lot of money. So a lot of, uh, of even of the biggest signings, that was quite a miss from, uh, is that Graciani? Uh, even of the biggest signings in Argentina get... Um, get done on, on free transfers or on, on loan deals or whatever which end up having to be cancelled but I would say that Osvaldo having uh, signed for and um, quite spectacularly fallen out with Boca 
twice in the space of like 15 months um, is probably the, the closest thing. If anything, Christian Menteke is, is the Premier League version of Daniel Osvaldo. If it weren't for the fact that Daniel Osvaldo is the Premier League version of Daniel Osvaldo, because he did that for Southampton as well. Um, Awed's touch, Darren Paul, says, is it going to be Ibanez, Musi, or another in goal for Racing now that Sebastian Saha has retired, which he did shortly after we recorded last week when Dan was talking about the possibility. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, that Dan said on last week's pod that Ibanez was going to be yeah. given the gloves um, and that if Racing brought somebody else in, it was going to be a second choice, right? Is that right? Yes, Nelson Ibanez, apart from that, had decent performances when he... Uh, had to, to be the goalkeeper there and so yes that's the 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 first option I think the plan A yeah uh, Darren also slightly cheekily knowing of course that Andres and I are both River sympathisers um, asked whether Marcelo Barrovero fancies to go at a proper big club um, he wants to go to a club who can pay him some money in fact which of course is why he's leaving River he needs to um, go for his financial security uh, and therefore, by default, he's not going to be signing for anybody else in Argentina. He's going to be going to, I think, Spain is now more likely than Mexico, is he, isn't it? No, no, he's mentioned like he he could go to to Celta de Vigo, but mm. uh, it's, it's strange. It's strange because there is nothing uh, nothing concrete there. It's only names of clubs, but, right? But nothing, nothing for sure. We shall see. Watch this space, but he does seem to be being touted around Spain somewhat. Barcelona, maybe. Back up for Claudio Bravo? No? Uh, Luis Bessone asks, not an actual question, but can we have an explanation of Tinelli and company leaving AFA and is the Superliga therefore viable? The first thing, or rather the second or third thing, um, but only a couple of minutes afterwards, that Marcelo Tinelli tweeted after the announcement that he was stepping down from the AFA presidential race um, was that he was doing so in order to concentrate more on the Superliga. Um, so I think that we can probably say that yes uh, the Superliga is very much viable because the talk has always been of, of Tinelli possibly standing down from AFA presidency to run the Superliga instead with his television know-how of course but as much as anything else. Something we haven't told, uh, we haven't said is that he also resigned as a third vice president because mm. uh, he this this charge was created for him to, to, to get into the AFA by Segura uh, and now he says he will he resigning, so we don't know whether in which part of AFA will he be able to 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 make Superliga possible. And apart from him, uh, Rodolfo Donofrio, yes. Daniel Angelisi, those are the presidents of River Plate and Boca Juniors, and Matias Lamens, who is the president of San Lorenzo. Tinelli, of course, is the, is the vice president of San Lorenzo, as well as uh, Blanco, whose first name I've forgotten, but who is the president of uh, Racing. So basically four of the big five, the, the four of the big five who aren't independiente and therefore Hugo Moshano, uh, they have all resigned their posts from the executive committee at the AFA, which is um, a power play. It, it's it's uh, d- trying to put pressure on, on Moshano. What, what is that exactly? Um, yes, it's the, the same they, they uh, menaced that they would do when, when the Superliga wasn't... Uh, uh, discussed because there was no quorum there in the in the in their meeting, and now they finally did it. But yes, I I think they would have no, no effect because uh, there will no we no activity until until uh, the next month I think, mm. uh, and uh, they are auditing the the, the, the they are inside AFA, 
so the, the, I think the effect that this will have is nothing, zero. Uh, Mr. Blanco's first name is Victor, by the way. Um, yes. I've now remembered. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that, that occurs to me is that these are the four directors of the Big Five, of course, who were supporting the idea of the Superliga. And maybe they're leaving AFA in order to... Obviously, the Superliga will be under the auspices of AFA. We've already gone into why that will have to be um, in, in previous episodes. But possibly they're leaving AFA in order to then put more pressure on the idea for a Superliga... And whilst it will happen within the AFA, because it's, I think we can say with, with some, well, with as high a degree of certainty as you can ever say anything uh, in the world of Argentine football, that the Superliga is going to happen um, in one form or another at some point in the next two we to three see, years. We'll have to see what To be happens. run by those guys, yes. sort of semi-independently from AFA, but under the umbrella, well, maybe. We'll have to see what, we, to check what <coughs> happens with the, this work that the uh, government is doing inside AFA. What, what is... What they do they say about the numbers of the of the economy of the financial financial situation? Mm. If it is broken, if it is not broken, uh, because it sounds nice. Well, we will make uh, we will organize a superliga, but after before that they will have to see with this the men are, are now at AFA working. Uh, what what are the results of this? Because uh, this is all fiction about the the, the resigns of the Donofrio Lamens and Jalisi because. Anyway, they weren't they weren't officially working there. They were discussing, meeting, but none of them as as real uh, members of the AFA, of, of as as they as if they were vice directors, vice presidents. Donofrio was second yes. vice president, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But now at this point, I I don't think they were really uh, being there as as, okay. as the positions they they they, they uh, should should. Uh, should be. I uh-huh. mean, uh, they weren't active in their role. Yeah, so their meetings, discussions, uh, Superliga, yes, Superliga, no. But uh, inside AFA, I think there, no, nothing, nothing uh, in terms of the, of the members. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Uh, Tom Robinson says, "Will Caruso Lombardi's next firefighter job be saving the AFA? Surely he's the man for the job." Uh, he's accompanied this uh, question with a charming uh, photograph of uh, Saint Ricardo uh, which I have retweeted so if you follow us on Twitter well, you'll see it funny or not I think they should I for sure uh, less than the men are, that are right now with AFA he doesn't know he doesn't know less than no. them uh, I don't know if more but less and, and he couldn't make the whole thing any more confrontational than it already is either so yeah why not it's worth a try Tom also asks, if Edgardo Bausa wins the Libertadores, he is the manager of San Paolo, remember? And as we said a week or two ago, if he does that, then he'll become the first man ever to win the Libertadores with three different clubs. And he's already the first man ever to reach the Libertadores semi-finals with four different clubs. Um, Tom's question is, if Bausa wins the Libertadores, do you think he could be a possibility for the Argentine national team after Tata Martino? I would say no. Um... I don't think that the AFA would see him as a possibility. Whether that means he would be, uh, whether he wouldn't be a good option, I'm not necessarily suggesting that. Uh, but given that two of his Libertadores successes would have happened with clubs outside Argentina, given that he was sort of largely unloved when he was with San Lorenzo and, and seen as a very neg- negative coach by many people, um, I don't think that he would uh, have a particularly strong, let's say, base of public opinion behind him. Yes, and until Saturday there was a 
a, a firm candidate which was Diego Simeone and as, as he lost now he's a loser I don't think yeah he's, and, um, and he was like a, a failure it was a very very bad result for him for Simeone saying that uh, he will see what happens with him because he's not sure to that he will continue there at Atletico Madrid so well we will see yeah Uh, Phil Carney asks player of the season please overall and for group one and two let's do group one and two first and then the overall one um, I'm going to throw a few names out I think that uh, group one possibly Santiago Garcia possibly Fernando Suki possibly Nestor Ortigosa um, it's, I mean it's got to be so, somebody from the first couple of clubs really hasn't it uh, <coughs> in each case I would think um, and for group two we both mentioned Miguel Almiron before I saw this question from Phil in fact uh, Philanus um, I don't know whether you'd have anybody to add Sand possibly who scored half of their goals yes yes both uh, those you mentioned are, are the ones yes I, I agree if we have to make one overall choice let's say Elmiron man of the match in the final another one who uh, I don't I didn't think he would That will be the will play the way he did is Roman Martinez, who apparently will be mm. a free agent, and River is looking for him. Oh really? Wow! It is only a, a something a rumor, of course, that uh, in, in preseasons are full of those of these rumors. But uh, yes, apparently he will be not anymore as a loose and uh, I heard that River are also uh, hoping to be able to sign about. A third of Rosario Central's starting 11. It's, it's silly season beginning, as Andres says in, in Argentina. Um, so, uh, well, we'll be back, obviously, before the new season starts, when, in whatever form it starts and whenever it starts. We'll be back to preview it and we will go over who's signed who then. Um, another player, maybe, who could be in the running would be Gaston Fernandez of Estudiantes, who ended the season very well but I think really it's probably one of the four yes we will always uh, or, or possibly um, sorry to interrupt possibly Gustavo Gomez for Lanús because as we mentioned last yes. week Lanús defence it, it was the bedrock on which that to summarise half of the team of Lanús were <laughs> yeah were, uh, yes. um, precisely yeah. it's it's probably going to be somebody from Lanús for the overall um, award which is of course precisely why Phil asks this question the, uh, also, the well, man behind the Lanús in English Twitter account Also, I will I will uh, put there. Uh, I I have mentioned him uh, a pair of episodes before. Even though Mariano, who is a San Lorenzo supporter, said, "Well, if there is a good offer for Ceruti, goodbye." Mm. I think Ceruti made good things or great things. Yeah, Ma Mariano's never happy with with anybody, yes. um, but I would agree with you there definitely. Um, I think Ceruti had a fine season. Um, that's it. That's your lot for this week. It's been a very short episode. We hope that we have uh, given you enough of a preview of Argentina's hopes to get your um, to get your teeth into. Obviously, we didn't go into the, the team man by man because we already sort of looked over the, the squads previously. Um, and also because, frankly, we've given you some very long episodes to listen to already um, during May. So we thought we'd give you a slightly shorter one to enjoy before the Copa America Centenario kicks off on Friday evening or night or Saturday morning, I guess, Our depending season. on whereabouts in the world you're listening to Small us from. Hours. Indeed. Um, so, enjoy USA v. Colombia. Enjoy, most of all, Argentina v. Chile and all of Argentina's other matches during the tournament. And we will be back after um, the Copa America Centenario 
to uh, to review what hopefully we say this before every major tournament, and it's never yet happened in Hunter Pod's lifetime. But what will hopefully be a trophy-winning campaign from Argentina. Um, for now, it is. Thank you for listening, and goodbye from me. Uh, sorry, from from Andres. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening and goodbye um, for another season, in fact, from me. Goodbye. A very brief addition to the end of the podcast to let you know that Atletico de Rafaela have just gone through to the last 32 of the Copa Argentina after coming back from 2-0 down against Ferro to draw 2-2 and they've just won on penalties. So, unlucky Ferro fans.